0: let me ask you a question. As you were growing up, did you ever have people, a well-intentioned adult that would come to you and maybe ask you some questions? Like, think about it. Think about your growing up years, and think about when an adult would come to you, and they'd get down in your little five-year-old face, and what kind of questions would they ask you? That's the one. What do you want to be when you grow up? You're five. You're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, my answer was like, cowboy. Like, I didn't know. I, I thought I would be a cowboy, and so I moved to Texas. I'm halfway there. But I... I I didn't know, I I went through a a phase where I wanted to be Superman, because, you know, what little dude didn't want to be Superman, he's great, Um, there's a short phase where I went through wanting to be Wonder Woman, but that's another story, (laughs) I, 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 uh, she had the bracelets, man, it was really awesome, Um, you know, and then I grew a little older, and I wanted to be um, the karate kid, because that was important, not, not the Jaden Smith karate kid, though I love and respect him, he's cool, but, but my karate kid is Ralph Macchio, and so, so, yeah, yeah, you know. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I appreciate what Jaden did, but um, the, there's nothing like the crane technique, you know what I'm saying? Like, no can defense. So, um, so I wanted to do that. So, I, you know, I don't know. But as you grow older, you know, it, people ask you more and more. You get into high school, well, what do you want to do when you get out of school? I don't know, man. Okay, well, um, when you get into college, what major are you going to pick? What do, you, what do you think you're going to do with your life? I don't know. I have no idea. And there's so much pressure and anxiety tied to this thing. How many of you experience the pressure and anxiety of, What do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. How many of you are still experiencing the pressure and anxiety of what do you want to be when you grow up? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, me too. All right, so, so that's a big thing. It's because people just want to know. And the truth is, deep down inside of us, there's this desire to know and understand who am I supposed to be and what am I supposed to do with my life? We're in a series that we're starting today called On Purpose, the lies we believe about our potential. And it comes out of a survey that we did on Easter Sunday morning. Where we, we asked all of you, what is it that you want to study? What does he want to talk about over the next coming weeks? And so uh, we've talked about how to deal with difficult people. We've talked about marriage, family, and relationships. We've talked about how to handle stress. But the number one thing, overwhelmingly, the thing that you all said we want to talk about this was purpose. What on, on earth am I here for? And so we're launching into this series for the next several weeks. And I just want to ask you, come and and join us. And let's kind of work through and figure this out together and push back on some of the lies that we believe about our potential. Uh, We're going to start today in Jude, in the book of Jude. Go almost all the way to the end, right before Revelation. You'll find him there. The book of Jude, and there's just one chapter, so we're going to be in verse 20. Here's what it says. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Don't get tripped up on that. Yes, I'm reading the New King of the King James Version. Don't get tripped out on the Holy Ghost. If you're really spiritual, like say it like this, Holy Ghost. But that's how we won't do that. Uh, so don't, don't get tripped up on that. He's just talking about the Spirit of God that's here at work in the world and living in us. Um, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Making a difference. So I just want you to stop and notice that phrase, making a difference. And I want to ask you a question. How many of you feel like you're making a difference with your life? I don't want you to lift your hands. I just want you in your seat right there to ask yourself, am I making a difference? Or what, what difference is my life making? Whose life is affected by my life and whose life is better or worse, depending on, who, whose life am I really affecting? What difference am I making in the world? The truth is, is that all of us want to make a difference. The trouble comes when we try to figure out how and when and where we make that difference. And you guys all have the same major life questions that I do. You know, who am I? Uh, what am I supposed to do with my life? If you're in school, what is my major supposed to be? Uh, what's better, Star Trek or Star Wars? That's not a real question. I was just checking, just checking, just checking. There is a real answer to that question, though. All right, we're having a prayer meeting. (laughs) No, the real life questions. What career should I pursue? What job or what job should I take? What's my career path? Who am I supposed to spend my life with? All of those questions. And they roll around in your head and they roll around in your heart and freak us out. Drive us crazy sometimes with all the anxiety that comes. If only this was more simple. Some of you, some of you, you kind of, you feel like you're a bit purposeless. And in fact, Zach, I want you to come up here and grab that plexiglass. You feel like, I, I don't know what to do, and you're just kind of taking shots at stuff and hoping something's going to stick and hope that something works. It's kind of like this. Like, some of our lives end up right now being like this. Welcome to One Chapel, everybody. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, <laughs> some of you right now are like, what kind of church is this? I told you we shouldn't come here. Um, so, so, so some of you are, are taking shots. <laughs> and then you come up and, oh, here it is. And you, take, you come up. And you say, oh, that was a good shot. And then you kind of draw a target around it, right? Oh, perfect. Nailed it. Oh, that was perfect. Yeah, no problem. And then you try it again. Okay, well, let's try it again. And I don't know, maybe I should try doing this with my life. Oh, yeah. And so you decide, okay, that's a great shot. I'm going to make another circle here. Wow, I am so successful. You know what I mean? You don't have a purpose. And so you're just trying. You're doing your best. You're taking shots. And you're trying to see if something sticks. And the truth is, it's kind of disappointing. Like, there's no, there's no life in it. There's no, there's no satisfaction in it. There's no, but why? Because you're just, you're guessing. And I don't want you to guess anymore. And I think Jesus doesn't want you to guess anymore. I think what he's saying is, hey, I actually have drawn out some targets for you. I've given you a target. I've given you a specific purpose that I want you in your lifetime to take care of. So, I want you to take aim at it. Oh, right in the head. I want you to take aim at it and see if you can hit it. Oh, you're a little off that time. That's okay. And sometimes you misfire. But he's given you a target. He's given you a purpose. Like it's out there for you. I promise. And the problem is, is we don't know it. We don't see it. We don't feel it. Look at Zach. handsome. We, we don't know it. We don't see it. We don't feel it. So, so we're just shooting in the dark and drawing targets around our arrows or our darts and thinking, oh, is this really what my life's about? It's not. He's giving you something. and That's what we're after. Give Zach a big hand because he's pretty cool. Or give Zach a mediocre hand, whatever. Um. <laughs> don't you long, don't you long for that kind of clarity, that kind of clarity about your purpose and who you're supposed to be? Because actually, I think deep down inside, every one of us actually believe, or at least we want to believe, that we were created to be something on the Earth, that we were created really to do something that we were actually created to contribute something to the earth. But the real struggle for many of us is just trying to figure out what that something is. Have you ever read the C.S. Lewis Narnia books, the Narnia series? It's a really incredible series. You should read it. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Maybe you've seen some of the movies. The books are way better. Read the books, people. But, but he, he talks about this guy, this Prince uh, Rilian, and it's in, um, it's in the silver chair. And this prince was imprisoned by a witch's sorcery. And under her spell, the prince, he'd lose all recollection of who he was. He, He didn't know where he came from. And he said, while I was enchanted, I could not remember my true self. But during moments of clarity, he'd have these brief moments where it would be clear and he would realize he'd been bound by what he said was a heavy, tangled, cold, clammy web of evil magic. I think that's how a lot of people in our world live and I think truthfully it's how some of us live we're lost in this fog and confusion about what our purpose is and who we're supposed to be and honestly I'll tell you the truth I think that this is hard I I think it's hard this 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 finding your purpose and figuring out your calling I do think it's challenging it's not impossible by any means but I do believe that it's challenging because there are external pressures that are that are pushing in on us and external voices all the time that are coming in and kind of confuse us like, one of those, I think, is the pressure of society. Society tells you that you should do certain things. And primarily what they tell you is, well, you should care about economic development. Like, you, could, you, could, you, you should consider uh, economic advancement for your life the most important thing. Or maybe social advancement. Like, you need to be famous. You need to have a lot of followers. Like, that's a lot of the message that we get from society today. And they'll say, well, if you want, oh, so you, wait a minute, you want to try to find purpose in a life of faith? Like, that doesn't even make sense to us. Like, what, what they're trying to say most of the time is that we want your faith to be separate from our society. We don't want you to mingle too much. Most movies and shows or news reports, they'll point to people of faith and say, oh, but those people are ignorant. Those people, and, and sometimes, sometimes even worse than that, those people are they're dangerous. Watch out for them. Or they're just ineffective for positively changing the world. And I'll tell you the truth. I think that there have, been, there have been times when we have given them some ammunition to say those kinds of things about us. But we don't have to be those people. We can change that narrative. We can, not by ourselves, with the Spirit of God in us. And that's what we want to do. But society can certainly make it difficult. Others of us will go and say, well, okay, society's not where I can find my answer, my purpose. So I know, though, I can find it in science. I'm going to look to science because that will make sense. I'm logical. I get it. I'm going to to look to science. And science will tell you that whatever you feel, whether it be pleasure or despair or anger or lightness or heaviness or or meaning, these, these emotions, they're just a series of chemical reactions that go on in your brain in response to some kind of outside stimuli. So beauty, purpose, meaning, romance. I apologize for what just happened. <laughs> Pleasure, even God, uh, these, are, these are nothing more than just byproducts of chemical reactions. And science can tell you that there's no real meaning or transcendent purpose in your life. It's just a, ran- it's a random reaction of one thing reacting to another. Now, I want to be clear. I believe in and love science. I believe science and faith actually will, at some point in every circumstance, they will come together. God created everything, <laughs> including the sciences, biology, chemistry, everything. He did. So I think it will all work at least one day. I'm, I'm a believer in science. I just don't think it's the full picture. As a man of faith, I believe that there's more to it. There is another world that we live in that we don't all get to see every day. Philosopher and Nobel Prize winner Henry Bergson, he said it this way. Since the Renaissance, modern science has gradually extended its casual explanations to one phenomenon after another, psychological and biological, as well as the purely physical, accounting even for life and consciousness In purely physical or chemical terms, are you with me? Creative novelty, human purpose, and freedom have often been disregarded. These are just a couple of the voices, I think, that press in and make it really challenging for us to find our purpose. But honestly, I think the church has also made this a little bit difficult for us. Like the church in the past has had kind of an elitist view of people and their callings or people and their purpose. And so there's an elite group. There are a few chosen people that get to do something sacred. And you'll recognize those people by their clothing or, or by their position or their titles. And so, so what, we're, what we're kind of relegated to is, well, if you don't have the ability or the opportunity or the desire to do that kind of elite work, well, your life doesn't really amount to any kind of eternal consequence. So what your position is, you need to do what the church says, you need to follow along, you need to try to live a moral life, and then, uh, you know, maybe support the church's visions and their teachings. Now, there's some good things in there, but this is not the point. Everybody is your pastor. I want you to know, in this church, and really, no matter what anybody says, in any church, there are no elite believers. That's not a thing. That's not a thing. There aren't elite believers. There aren't those people who are above and those who are below. Every one of us, every one of us who believes and follows Jesus is a minister of the gospel, has direct access to God the Father, and he's active and present in our lives. So the fact that I stand up here on a stage, it has nothing to do with any sort of elitist view. It has only to do with the fact that I have a role in the body, and you have roles in the body too. That's really important for you to understand. Um, More recently, the church has kind of adopted a utilitarian view of mankind, So we focus on our usefulness. Oh, there's so much to be done for the kingdom of God. So we need to be useful. I need to be a tool in the hands of God. We need to be servants. We need to be dutiful. We need to do whatever needs to be done. And we say these things like, "Uh, I just want to be used by God. And that's a good statement to make, actually. I think youth pastors are really—they're uh, really guilty of this a lot of times. I was when I was a youth pastor, just saying to a bunch of kids, "Hey, you've got a purpose in your generation. God wants to use you. He wants to use you in your campus to change a generation." And kids would say, "Yeah, okay, yeah, that's great. Yeah, tell me, what am I supposed to do?" God wants to use you, you know. Just there wasn't a lot of substance there sometimes, and so we say these things. I want to be used by God. God, use me. And I understand the heartbeat of it, and I appreciate it, and I love it. But I don't think it's exactly what we should say. Like, think about it for a second. Try attaching that phrase to any of the other relationships in your life. I just really want to be used by my friend Steve. (laughs) Nobody says that. I really want to be used by my boss today. No, you don't. (laughs) Most of the time, you want to yell at that man or woman. Uh, (laughs) Well, there's a lot of response over here Like oh yes Yes I do um, Or maybe you'd say um, "You say, I, I really want to be used by my pastor None of you are saying that to me Not one person has come up and said that to me That's a good thing <laughs> I don't want to do that either I, there, the, I understand the heartbeat behind it But I think there's something that's unhealthy about saying that Kind of unhealthy about that way of thinking And it's because this life on earth And your relationship with God It has so much more to do with, with intimacy and, and passion and relationship and connectivity with God Than it does with your own usefulness Your usefulness is important But what we get is we get the opportunity to partner We get to partner with the God of everything With his spirit in us we get to participate with him In what he wants to do in the earth We are the plan to do that So it's not about us being used It's about us partnering And that's a pretty exciting thing he wants to partner with you to bring more of the kingdom of God into the earth until one day all of it comes when he comes back in his glory so what that means if you're kind of new to church the kingdom of God coming that could sound scary and sound a little militant to you but it's not we're talking about people coming to know Christ and knowing the saving grace of the Lord Jesus because he loves them we're talking about people being set free from bondage and difficulty and addiction we're talking about hearts being healed we're talking about righteousness we're talking about justice in the earth we're talking about those kind of things we talk about the work that God wants to do that you and I get to partner with Pretty cool it has nothing to do with a utilitarian point of view the church has also pushed this stewardship view of life this is the thought that god has given us something to contribute to kingdom work and you're going to be scrutinized and you're going to be watched and if you screw it up you're in trouble when he comes back because there is a job review coming if you did a bad job you're in trouble now as partially true as some of that may be i really believe that god is giving us something glorious to bring to and as I said before, it has to do with joy. It has to do with intimacy with him. It's not so much about an upcoming job evaluation. He loves you. He wants to work with you. You. you start to see it, though. You see society, science, and the church, and all these different views kind of crashing in on us to where we just go, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's right. I don't know where I belong. I don't know. And it's why this question, what is my purpose, is so important to most of us. So let me ask you another question. If you could get... You could get a, a, a direct and immediate response from God. You knew it. What kind of question would you ask? Him? Just think about it. You don't have to say it out loud. Just what would you ask Him? USA Today. They did a study on this with a bunch of adults, and they asked, "What would you ask a God or Supreme Being if they could get a direct and immediate answer?" And the third most asked question was: 16% said, "Why do bad things happen?" It's a big question in our world today. The second most asked question was 19%. They said, will I have life after death? But the largest percentage, 34%, they asked, what is my purpose in life? What am I here to do? That response is pretty incredible, isn't it? It's really telling. Because what it says, it says that just the fact that so many people ask that question, it underscores that most people know or at least really want to believe that they're here for a reason that their life matters, and they were created for a specific purpose. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said, if the whole universe has no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. I know, it's depressing to me too. Just as if there were no light in the universe, and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never know that it was dark. Dark would be a word without meaning. So the fact, he's saying, the fact that we've discovered, I think I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to find meaning. It's, it's as if I don't have meaning. It's an indicator that there's meaning There's meaning for all of us. So the question that we're really asking here is, is there a specific purpose or calling for my life? I want you to know, I believe the overwhelming answer to that is yes. So the answer to does your life have purpose or meaning, it's not enough. Because the answer really begs the next question, what specific irreplaceable purpose does my life have? It's one thing to know that you have one. It's another thing to know what yours is. And I think that's the thing that we're after. Um, Pulitzer Prize winner Russell Baker He said it like this There's a hunger in us For assurance that our lives Have not been merely successful But valuable That we have accomplished Something grander Than just another well healed Or well-off Loudly publicized journey From the diaper to the shroud (laughs) Isn't that good? From the diaper to the shroud In short That our lives have been consequential That's what we want to know The truth is All of us are here to do something to make a contribution that only you can make. I believe it so much. I've told it to kids for years. Acts 13, 36 says that David served God's purpose in his own generation. David spent his life figuring out what his purpose was. What's God's purpose for me? Hand it out directly to me in my generation. What's the thing that I need to do? And he spent his days figuring out what that was and he did it. He accomplished it. The reality is for all of us, looking at all these other places, you will never ever find Fully discover your purpose outside of a relationship with God. You won't find it. You can look everywhere, but every time it will fail you. Unfortunately for some of you, Myers Briggs won't do it. Some of you are way into that, and I love those too. They're really interesting. Strengths Finders won't do it for you. No personality test, no amount of research, none of those things are going to be able to replace the input from the one who created you. There's a story that you've probably heard me tell from time to time. There's a it was right when cars had been invented, and the Model T was out on the roads here and there, sparsely. And so there was, a, there was a young man who was driving one one day down the countryside road, and as he was driving, it broke down. He got stuck, and so he got out, and he opened up the hood, and he was tinkering around inside trying to figure out how to fix it, and he couldn't do it. He was there for hours. And pretty soon, a, a, another Model T kind of drove up behind him, and this older gentleman was in it, and he got out and came around and said, Son, you having trouble? yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. I I tried everything I can think of. I've been here for hours. I don't know. The old gentleman said, well, let me take a look for you. So he got under there, peeked around. He poked around a little bit, did a couple things. Boom, started right up. The kid was like, how how did you do that? How how did you make that happen? That was incredible. I've tried everything I can think of. I've been here for hours. And the old man said, son, I'm Henry Ford. I made that car. I invented that car. I know how it works. See, that's the picture. He knows you. God knows you. He knows who he made you to be. He knows how you work. He knows all the intricate details. He knows how all the parts fit together. He knows from the very beginning, from inception all the way here. He knows the way he made you. He knows who he made you to be. And he wants to help you discover it. He wants to help you to find it. I want you to see how true this was for a guy in scriptures named Gideon. In Gideon, uh, sorry, in in, uh, Judges chapter 6, I'm going to read a little chunk of scripture with you. Here we go. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock in tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. And when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Did you notice the interaction here that God has with Gideon? Because it's very similar to the interaction that he wants to have with you. Because when you were born, God put a whole bunch of stuff, huge things inside of you, including a God-given purpose that he wants you to embrace. So pay attention to what the angel says in verse 12. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And I guarantee you that Gideon was not feeling like a hero. In fact, Gideon he didn't have any idea that there was a purpose inside of him that god gave him he had no idea the dude is in a wine press hiding from the midianites threshing the wheat he's hiding from them doing his job so they can't find him to come and steal his food like you're seeing the picture he's hiding out trying to thresh so that the midianites can't come and rob him blind he's hiding he's hiding and an angel shows up and says mighty hero the lord is with you he's got to be like Where, where? There is no hero here. It's me, Gideon. I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong address. Bottom of the wine press. That's what this is. You're supposed to be somewhere else. That's not me. <laughs> he had no idea that his life was about to change, and that he was going to find purpose and make a difference. I have this. I, I met this guy in college, and we traveled and did some work together. We traveled to South Africa, and we went all over the East Coast and up in Canada and with a band from school. And we did worship events all over the place. Um, our school sent us out to do that during the summertime. And he was a great guy, and he uh, he's was, he was a great friend. And he, he would play drums, and I would sing and, and sing with a bunch of other people and the whole band from the team from school. And so we'd, we'd do all these worship events everywhere. Well, I graduated, and I went to a church in Colorado and became the youth pastor. And so I was able to hire somebody, and I knew the first person that I was going to call was going to be this guy. So I called him up, and I said, hey, man, I got a job. I want you to come. I want you to hang out with me, and I want you to lead worship here in this youth group. And he was like, ah, man. And I knew. I knew that he had a desire to lead worship, but he'd never done it before. He couldn't sing. He couldn't play guitar. He could kind of dabble in those things, but he had no idea. But I had a sense in my heart. I just knew because I knew who this guy was, and I had a sense that God wanted to do something. And so I invited him, and he was a great friend of mine. And so he had a year left. He graduated. He came and joined us. He moved in with my wife and I, and he lived in our apartment for a little while, and he started, and so he came to the youth group, and he started leading, and he was figuring out how to sing, and he was figuring out how to play guitar. And we were like, you know, okay, this—I think God's in this. <laughs> I don't know. And so he, so he just started, started to grow, started to figure it out. We started having really sweet wonderful worship times with all these students that would come to that church and hang out in that student ministry. And he grew and he expanded. And today, you might know his name. His name is John Egan, and he's written a whole bunch of songs. He said he wrote a song called "I Am Free." You may know that "I Am Free to Run." You know that song. He wrote that song. He wrote, here in your presence we are undone. We sing that song here. He wrote, uh, overcome. He wrote a bunch of songs that we sing today. In fact, he wrote a bunch of songs that people sing all over the world today and have incredible experiences with God because of what he's done through this man. Now, I don't tell you that story to give myself any credit. Um, he's the famous one that everybody sings the songs, not me. But I knew that God wanted to do something, and I looked at him, and I knew there was more. And I looked at a guy who didn't know how to sing yet and didn't know how to play guitar exactly yet. He was an incredible drummer and a great musician anyway, but he didn't have all this experience. I looked at him, and I just knew. God said to me, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. There is something else inside of you that you're not aware of that I know needs to come out. Do you really believe that that's only true of that guy? Is it only true of one person or two people or are there elitists in our world? No, God has the same thing for everybody in this room. And I just want to say prophetically to you, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. No matter how you feel, no matter what you think, no matter what you think about your own level of talent or skills or abilities or your own lack of purpose in life, it's not true. There is something for you to discover, mighty hero. You think that Gideon didn't have any of that either? Gideon had all those kinds of things. From the start of this series I want you to know I, I don't know the specific details of what your God-given purpose is going to be but I do know two things and I need for you to embrace them here today. The first is is that you do have a God-given purpose within you. It's in there. And the second thing is is that your purpose is related to people. It's not about you. It's not for your own glory though you might get some. It's not for your fame though you might get some. It's not for your own power though you might get some none of those things are for you. It's not about you. Whatever your purpose is, it's not about you. It's for everybody else. God has put something inside of you, your skills, your relationships, your finances, your te- whatever it is, all that stuff he's put down inside of you for the benefit of other people. Never for you, only for him. Your purpose is not about you. All those resources are for everybody else. And I know I already hear some of you saying, but not me, not me, because you don't know. You don't know how, you, Brent. You underestimate how untalented I am. It has nothing to do with this. Some of you will say even even worse. You'll say you have no idea how messed up my life is. He wouldn't use me. That's a lie. You have no idea what I've been through, uh, the abuse that I've taken, and there's no way I'm too broken. That's not true. I'm too busy, man. I got I got life. I gotta I gotta take care of the family and kids and spouse and job. I gotta do all this stuff. I got I don't got time for this. That's a problem. <laughs> uh, you, man, you don't, you, just, you, don't, you don't get it. I, I'm not interested. I, I don't want to help other people. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there, and I got to go get mine. It's not true, and you're missing out on some incredible things that God wants to do for you. And you're not alone when you start saying all of those excuses, because Gideon said exactly the same thing. Let's read it, and I'm going to start in verse 14. It says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength that you have. I love that. Go with the strength you have. Not, hey, go work out and get a bunch of strength and then go. He said, go in the strength that you have with you. What, this? Uh, uh, It's pathetic. He's like, yeah, that was pathetic. I can't, this is all I got. Yeah, that, that's it. That right there. I want you to take that and I want you to go. Go in the strength that you have, go. Why can he say that? He knows because he's gonna do the rest. If you read the rest of the story too, he does do the rest. You should read Judges 6 later today. he says, Uh, and go and rescue Israel from the Midianites. What? I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Does that annoy you? That annoyed me. It's because it's annoying. It's annoying. And can I tell you the truth? I mean, we believe these same lies. We all have the same kinds of excuses that he gives here. Oh, not my family, not me. I'm the weakest. I'm the worst. I can't, I can't do it. It's not true. And can, I, can I be honest? Can I, I'm going to take a risk, at the risk of offending you a little bit. I think when you believe those kinds of lies, that I can't do it, that I don't have the goods, that I'm not able to make it happen, God certainly doesn't want to use me. I think actually that's pretty arrogant. Because what you're really doing is you're saying, all of this, it's about me. It's about what I can do. It's about what I can pull myself up by the bootstraps and make life happen. And that's not true. That's not the way that God intended for you to live. And if you say those statements, I can't, you're actually, I think you're exposing the fact that you believe one or two lies. One, you might believe that you're fixated on only what you can do in your own strength. That's it. This is all about me. And anything that's going to happen is just what I can do. Or number two, you believe the only way to maximize your life is to focus on and take care of yourself. Just me. So if you're holding on to those kinds of lies and excuses, what you're really saying is this whole thing, what it all has to do with it, it's how I see myself, who I see myself to be, what I think I'm able to do with my own natural gifts, talents, and abilities when I'm ready to do something great. And I think when we look at it that way, we're missing it. The truth is, I just think we've made ourselves a little too big. We've made God a little too small. And we can change that today. Why don't you guys come up? We've made ourselves a little too important, a little too much about our own ability, our own lack of ability, our own fears, our own busyness, our own personal need, and we give into the lies about our purpose and potential, and we reduce God down to something that He's not. You say he, he surely He couldn't use me. Do you see how ridiculous that sounds? The God who created everything that you see around you, He couldn't use you to do something significant. In the lives of others in your world Uh, Make no mistake I'm not saying that everybody here is going to be famous That's not the point The point is What is it that's been put inside of you That can make a difference In the lives of people around you This is the journey that we're on And I want to invite you to join us In the journey To get rid of some of the lies Over the next several weeks And believe that we are the people That he's destined and called us to be And that we can actually do it I want him to look at all of us today. In fact, just close your eyes for a second. Maybe just let the Holy Spirit speak to you for a moment and say, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm hiding out in the wine press, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Yeah, but, but I have a hard time even just talking to people. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm an introvert. I'm I'm... mighty hero. The Lord is with you. Yeah, but I can't can't sing. I can't write. I can't. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Mighty hero. The Lord is with you. It has nothing to do with what you can or can't. Can you be obedient? Yeah, you can. The Lord is with you. We're going to receive communion here in a second. But before we do, I just want to give you the opportunity. Some of you today in the room, you can probably say with me, I have, I, I've made God too small and I've made myself too big, too important in this equation. Some of you might even say, I've kind of made myself everything and I haven't really paid much attention to him. And if the things that we're singing about and saying here today are true, if God loves me, if he has a plan for my life. If he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for me and by his blood shed on that cross he paid the price for all of my sins that I would ever pay and I don't have to pay the penalty of those which is death I don't have to pay for that but instead I can have a relationship with God Today I want that I want to make myself smaller and I want him to be bigger And if that's you if you find yourself in that spot today and you want to start a new relationship with God where he becomes more important and you become more And he saves you and rescues you from your sin. He restores you to relationship with God so you can begin this journey of purpose. I just want you to pray a prayer like this with me in your seat, in your own words. Pray something like this. God, I want to believe in you. I've been trying to live my own way, and I've messed it up. And now I want to turn to you, and I want to give you everything that I have. I want to make you big, and I want myself to become small. So I choose today to believe that you did all these things, that you sent your son, part of yourself, to die on the cross for my sins. And because of the sacrifice that he made, Lord, I can be free and forgiven. His blood covers over and washes my sins clean. And I don't have to pay the penalty. So I receive that today. And I want to ask you if you'd be the Lord of my life, and you would take charge, and you'd sit on the throne of my heart, and you'd be everything. I receive you today. I thank you for saving me. Help me now to start a journey becoming who I'm meant to be.